Please be seated. Ash Wednesday is one of the most penetrating services of the church year. It asks us to accept some hard and heavy truths, but also truths that I believe are hopeful. For all the seriousness of this day, let me begin on a lighter note and quote the great theologian Willie Nelson who said that a good country song involved nothing more than three chords and the truth. Three guitar chords and the truth. I wanna suggest to you that Ash Wednesday consists of three chords and a truth. Let's start with the truth. We will have our foreheads smeared with ashes and hear that we are from dust and to dust we shall return. This comes from a verse in Genesis chapter three where God speaks this to humanity and it's intended as a kind of curse. Death, like a tiger, will haunt us, us who now live east of Eden. You are dust, God says. You are mortal, vulnerable, fragile. But God doesn't say that we're only dust. God doesn't even say that being dust is the most fundamental thing about us. You are dust, but you are so much more. Sure, we are dust, but we are dust fearfully and wonderfully made. Sure, we are dust, but we were worth God becoming flesh for. Sure, we are dust, but dust whose destiny is joy. We are dust, but more central and more primary is that we are the beloved of God. It's key to have this truth in place or else we can very easily get lost in self-hatred and a kind of neurotic and anxious introspection this evening. The truth of Ash Wednesday will keep us from that as I offer to you the heavy but liberating truths or chords of this day. The first liberating part of this day is paradoxical. Ash Wednesday doesn't, at least at first, ask you to believe in a God. It merely asks you to believe that you aren't God. I won't speak for you, but there's a temptation to feel that you have to make your mark and leave a legacy and achieve something like eternal worth. Immortality is a heavy burden to carry. This day asks you to put that down and admit that the universe does not rest on your shoulders. We anxiously move about repositioning our circumstances, filling our calendars, exhausting ourselves over the chess pieces of our lives, forgetting all the while that the chessboard itself is a gift and not a guarantee. You don't have to create your eternal worth. You are not God. You are the beloved of God, but not God. 
But that's not the only liberating news. Part of the liturgy of the day has us confessing our sins in rather stark and vivid language. We will say together the litany of penitence. We will confess some rather uncomfortable things. All our past unfaithfulness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience of our lives. Our anger, our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate. Our blindness to human need and suffering. These confessions, I'd like to suggest, aren't meant to induce guilt or misery. This penitence is diagnostic, meant to bring about healing and wholeness. These confessions, seen from another angle, affirm that we were made for great things, to be large-souled people, and we've fallen short of that glorious summons. When we go and see a doctor, we're asked, where does it hurt? So too in our confession of sin, we confess where our humanity is bruised or wounded, but only so that the divine physician can bring us to wholeness and health. This is central. Confession is only possible because we are the beloved of God. Confession only makes sense because there's another who loves us, who cares for us, who longs for our livelihoods. One of the most well-known Christian writers from the 20th century, C.S. Lewis, whom you may have read, was a bachelor until the age of 60 when he met the love of his life, Joy Davidman. Lewis fell in love and soon thereafter, just a year into their marriage, he realized that the woman he loved was dying of cancer. That experience of profound love led him to look back and see the truth of his life for the first time. Let me read you a poem he wrote looking back on his life. Remember, these are the words of probably the most famous Christian writer in the world at the time. He writes, all this is flashy rhetoric about loving you. I never had a selfless thought since I was born. I am mercenary and self-seeking through and through. I want God, you, all friends, merely to serve my turn. Peace, reassurance, pleasure are the goals I seek. I cannot crawl one inch outside my proper skin. I talk of love. A scholar's parrot may talk Greek, but self-imprisoned always end where I begin. Only now. You have taught me, but how late, my lack. I see the chasm, and everything you are was making my heart into a bridge by which I might get back from exile and grow man. And now the bridge is breaking. This is not the introspection or the confession of a self-groveling, neurotic man. Lewis had known love and was able to look at his life honestly because of this. In my experience, the people who are the toughest to be around, the people with the most monochrome interior lives, are the people afraid to confess their sins. 
And it's the people who know their capacity for sin, who are free enough to confess it, whose lives shine with a depth and a levity and a humility that makes their entire life compelling, three-dimensional, and real. In other words, because we are beloved, we are free to be sinners. Because we know that in confessing our sins before man, God always sees us as the beloved. And finally, you are free to deny yourself. You are free to deny yourself. Let me offer you an analogy for this one. When I was growing up and visiting my grandmother's house in Mississippi, she would always, as soon as I showed the first sign of a cold, load my little six-year-old chest up with Vicks Vapor Rub. That minty eucalyptus lava. How am I supposed to sleep with this stuff on? Just let it clear you up, sweetie. You're so clogged up. Let it help you breathe. Then you'll be able to sleep. Ash Wednesday in the season of Lent is like Vicks Vapor Rub. It asks us to make sacrifices to deny ourselves because our lives often get clogged, which just means that the Divine Spirit can't move through us as easily. With that in mind, are you called to deny yourself this Lent? Maybe you should fast. Not so that you can drop a few pounds, but so that you can feel the divine hunger for the world's wholeness. Or maybe give of your time and devote 15 minutes in the morning and the evening to prayer because it does take time for God's life to happen in us. Or maybe you give alms, not because God or the poor for that matter need you to, but because you need to, because your life is clogged by an attachment to money and security. Or maybe you are just overextended and overworked. Then perhaps it's time to unclog and give up being a hero and just be a beloved child of God. No, it's not always comfortable. But Lent is about helping us to breathe God in more deeply. Friends, three chords and the truth make for a good Lent. You are free not to be God, free to confess your sins, and free to deny yourself. You are free because you are the beloved of God. And each of these practices lead to our healing. You might feel the nudge to make some changes in your spiritual life. You might feel the tug to get more involved at church, to serve a friend. You might feel like a change is necessary. But one thing you can't change is that you are the beloved. To dust you shall return and into the eternal love of God you shall rise.